Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining with us for this week's podcast. As per usual, before we begin our time together, I want to take a moment and let you know a bit of what's coming up in our community. Today, Clyde Glass is teaching and continuing in our series, Finding Complete Joy. And if you're new with us, we have a newcomer's lunch coming up on January 29th, and that's here on site after the 11 a.m. service. It is a great time to not only find out more about the church and meet some of the pastors, but also to eat and to meet some other people that are new to the Southview community. So you can register. The event is free, but just register ahead of time online or on Realm uh, so that we know how much food to prepare. The best way to know what's going on at Southview is by checking out our weekly viewpoint, and you can find a link to our viewpoint in the episode description of this podcast. And if you're new with us here in this digital space, we would love to hear from you. And you can find an online connection card at the bottom of that viewpoint, along with a prayer request form so that we can support and join you in prayer. And additionally, you can always find us on Instagram and Facebook. But now today, no matter how you're joining with us, may each of our hearts be open and expectant because God is here and Jesus invites us to bring all that we are and all that we're currently carrying to him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let's seek the face of God together. Hello, friends. So thankful that we can be joined together here and for those joining in online uh, in the presence of God as we come to part two of our study of the latter part of 1 John 1. And I believe God providentially prompted you to be here today. I know you likely planned, thought it all out, and got here, thankful you're here. I think God's behind us being here together. Now, you hopefully received a pencil and a piece of paper when you came in, and if you didn't receive one of those, if you just raise your hand, one of our ushers will come and get you a paper and pencil, uh, because we're going to make use of that together today. And if you are online, you can just pause this for a moment, grab some pencil, paper rather, and a pencil, because again, we're going to make use with this today. As, as we continue in our teaching series... Uh, that we've called Finding Complete Joy, in which we're being guided by the book of 1 John, which John said he wrote so that our joy may be complete. Now, last weekend, if you're with us, you know, we looked a bit deeper at one of the main themes of John's epistle, one of the main sources of joy for us, that our God is light. And we saw in our passage at the end of 1 John 1 that John exhorts us to live in line with what is true, what is real, and then walk in the light of who God is. And and then just to stop hiding, covering, excusing, or justifying when we ignore or drift from God's guidance in our lives when we sin. So we come again today to these final verses of 1 John 1, which again is a passage That extends an invitation to us to walk in the light. So turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John 1. And this time as I read through it, I'm going to include some explanation of some of these phrases that we've been discovering along the way in our study. So you again kind of get a feel for what John is saying here. We're in 1 John 1, and as we hear this, remember, friends, 
This is a word of God. And John begins writing this in verse 4. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Meaning there is no illusion, there's no trickery, pretense, there's no variation, no shifting shadows or hiding with God. Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him, and again, that word fellowship means if we say we are partnering with, participating with God in our daily lives, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, and by walking in darkness, as we saw, John means that we hide, we conceal, we try to cover up the reality of our life and heart. So if we say we have fellowship with him while we're walking in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, not God, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, if we agree with God about what he is shining his light on in our lives, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As we noted last week, John says that we can deceive ourselves. Now, the thought that we can actually deceive ourselves, it's kind of a strange one if you think about it. Because if, for example, you suspected that someone was seeking to deceive you, You'd be guarded around them, perhaps even avoid them altogether if you could. You really would likely consider them more of an enemy than a friend. But self-deception carries no such protection because we do it to ourselves. And when we do, we are at once both the perpetrator and the victim of the deception. It's a strange thing, isn't it? Dr. Cornelius Plantiga, in his book titled, Not the Way It's Supposed to Be, puts it this way. Self-deception is a shadowy phenomenon by which we pull the wool over some part of our own psyche. We deny, suppress, or minimize what we know to be true, and we adorn what we know to be false. We know the truth, and yet we do not know it because we persuade ourselves of the opposite. First, we deceive ourselves, and then we convince ourselves that we are not deceiving ourselves. We actually forget that certain things are wrong and that we have done them. Don't believe it, says Plantiga. Why then do alcoholics and drug abusers typically go through years of denial? How did reigning Nazis convince themselves that their killing programs served the best interest even of their victims? Why do battering husbands offer minimizing and euphemistic accounts of the beating they administer? Here's why. Because we have learned to live in the dark. Since Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, we have been hiding, covering, concealing our sin. And that is part of the reason... I decided to spend another week on this passage in 1 John because this wasn't originally our plan, but as we moved into this text, it just seemed clearly needed 
to extend for another week this invitation to come out of hiding and to come into light. Which for some of you might be the first time you step out of darkness and step into what is real, what is true about life, about God, and about you. A prospect, I realize, is admittedly quite frightening for some of us, even for some followers of Jesus. Okay, so recognizing that that is a very real thing and that fear about being honest and transparent can be a very normal thing. I want to include with that invitation some assurances from God, assurances from Him of what we are coming to as we step into the light. And I want you to know, as I share all this with you, that I'm a hider. That is my tendency. And, and partly it's because I'm an introvert, but not just that. Partly it's because I'm a people pleaser, but it's not just that. It's largely because it's the pull of my flesh. And I would imagine it's the pull for a lot of us. So I'm still learning this, and I, I think this is a lifelong journey and choice. So before I invite you to take a very practical step in coming out of hiding, I want to remind us of four assurances from God as we live in His light. And again, there are more than four assurances in Scripture about this. We're going to look at four today, though. And I want you to know both in this, what you will receive as you walk in his light and what you will be missing if you reject his invitation. All right, so four assurances as you step into the light. Okay, and the first assurance is just this. You will find freedom. You will find freedom. Listen again to what John writes in verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You will find freedom, friends. You will feel clean. You will experience grace. You will know forgiveness. And I use those words, find, feel, experience, and know intentionally because I'm not just talking about just some kind of intellectual understanding alone or just a theological grasp of freedom, cleansing, grace, and forgiveness. I am saying that if you bring into the light what you've been hiding in the dark, you will find freedom. You will feel clean. You will experience grace, and you will know forgiveness. Listen to this letter from a woman who is a follower of Christ from another church that just powerfully illustrates this. She wrote, We've been part of a church for decades, serving in many ways. But I was also pulled to hide for many years. Out of a fear of abandonment, rejection, what people would think of me, I kept a very big secret about a terrible choice and sin that I had chosen. And I kept it secret even from my husband. I tried to act like everything was okay, but my relationship with my husband was slowly eroding. The separation in my spirit was creating a separation between my husband and me. I'm not sure if anyone would have ever found out 
but I could not live an abundant, light-filled life with this darkness hidden in my soul. Often I'd go to conferences or be in worship services where I would feel a nudge in my spirit to let the light in and expel the darkness. But I'd actually talk myself into the fact that it was better for no one else to know so that no one else would get hurt. In the spring of this past year, though, while attending a conference on the restoration of marriages, the nudge became a shove. With fear and trembling, I told my secret, first to a trusted friend and then to my husband. I'm not saying that there have been no consequences or that our process of healing has not been painful or long or that we're even done. But I feel clean. In a way I have never experienced before, I know that I am forgiven and that I am free. Living in the dark was for me a slow death, but now I am alive again. Since, since that spring night, my spirit is no longer filled with fear. That's a letter from one woman. And I would guess that many of you could have written a letter just like that. Maybe with different circumstances. I mean, Jesus said that his kingdom, he said that the kingdom of God is touchable. It is accessible. And here's how you access it. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. Here's how you access the kingdom of God. Agree with God about what he is bringing in light about you. Because if we in faith bring into the light what we've been hiding in the dark, we will find freedom, we will feel clean, we will experience grace, and we will know his forgiveness. You will experience kingdom life now. Again, it's not just the assurance you're going to heaven when you die. I mean, that is amazing. It is incredible. But you are invited into a kingdom life now, to taste it now. Here's how. And this is another assurance. If you bring into the light what you've been hiding in the dark, a second assurance is, you'll discover new friends. You'll discover new friends. And, and those new friends will be people who are desiring to live the same way, who want to walk and live in the light of God and live in line with what is real and true about life and about them. Because God's great vision for the human race, God's great vision for his blessed church is not just you doing all this by yourself. It's not just me doing this by myself. No. It's that we, together, begin to come out of hiding together. Not just one person, but that we, together, come out of hiding and live authentically with one another before God. I mean, the assurance I'm giving you is expressed in our passage today. If indeed we do this, if we together, not just a few of us, but as a church body together, 1 John 1.7, if we together walk in the light as he is in light, we then will have fellowship with one another. There'll be a sense of partnering with, participating with one another. No longer based on phony smiles that kind of mask what's really going on in our lives. 
But coming into the light together, we will have new levels of intimacy and relationship and authentic kingdom community as this happens among us. As we partner with our God. I mean, living your life, living our lives together this way, it it really breaks us out of this kind of self-imposed exile and isolation that hiding invariably brings with it. Okay, but along with that assurance that you will discover new friends, new fellowship, let me kind of acknowledge the flip side of that. Because there's some danger here. For you to bring into light what is true about you and, and what you've been hiding it brings with it other potential consequences. Because not all will receive authenticity well. I mean, it could be that when some of you brought into the light what was going on inside of you, it could be you did not get support or comfort from others. Maybe what you felt you got was condemnation. And, and when that happened, you might have made a promise to yourself. I will never tell the truth like that again. I will never be that honest again. So there is some danger here. I mean, if you desire to walk in the light and you begin to do that with someone who doesn't want to live in the light but who wants to keep on hiding, be aware, you could get burned by them. You could get rejected by them. Your honesty could be threatening. It could be scary to them as you walk in that kind of transparency. And without question, that can be painful. So we want to be aware of this possibility because not everyone is safe for you to trust with what God has prompted in you. But the God of heaven assures you, if we walk in the light together, we will have fellowship. And then we have another assurance from God. Because if you come out of hiding and walk in the light, a third assurance is this. You will be transformed by God. He will incrementally transform you into Christ-likeness. Because as John says here, you will be forgiven. You will be cleansed from all unrighteousness. And, and one of the ways that he will transform you is that God will make you increasingly gentle. And especially with other people who are coming out of the dark. But you actually might become a bit more tenacious with people who are trying to hide. That might be the case. Because it's interesting that Jesus was most impatient, not with those who were called sinners, No. Jesus was most impatient with hypocrites and especially with religious hypocrites like some of the Pharisees who kind of put on this little religious show with their lives but who actually they had hearts filled with garbage, filled with dead man's bones, Jesus said. But Jesus was incredibly patient with sinners with tax collectors, with prostitutes who said, I, 
I hate living this life. So you're going to find gentleness that isn't time transforming. Because walking the light of what is true about your own sin, friends, that is an absolute cure for a self-righteous, judgmental, condemning spirit. Because it works humility and mercy into our hearts. I mean, it really is an interesting thing to watch. I'm sure you've seen it as I describe it. I mean, people who are living kind of open-faced and honest with God about their own junk and stuff, who are consistently inviting the light of His truth to shine on them, they are hardly ever the ones who are busy and quick to shine the light on somebody else, to try to fix everybody else. Because people who are living in the light of their own stuff and mess, they do speak the truth about sin. They don't avoid recognizing it. They, they're not naive. They speak the truth about it in love. Because bringing your darkness into light, it, it works in you a transforming effect of gentleness and mercy. And again, it's not because you are striving to become gentle, because God says I should be gentle. No, if you are walking in light, over time gentleness will be formed in you. It's one of the fruits of being in the light. In fact, I believe that is so true that I think one of the clearest signs that someone is not walking in light, in other words, they're not dealing honestly with their own stuff, one of the clearest signs that they are not is that they are consistently upset about everybody else's sins and shortcomings. Tracking everybody else's failings. One of the surest ways, one of the most positively identifying ways that declares you are not dealing with what is in here in your life is that you're always looking and judging out there. Know what I mean? Now, the other side of that, one of the easiest ways to never have to look in here is just by being concerned with stuff out there, just trying to fix everybody else. Dr. Dallas Willard brings a beautiful teaching about this out of Matthew 7, and, and that's where Jesus was confronting those who were quick to judge. And so in Matthew chapter 7, we read these words from Jesus. Jesus says in verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. Okay, now judge not does not mean you abandon discernment or disregard sin, although many in our culture read it that way. But that's not what Jesus was saying, because discernment is still vital. Discerning what sin really is, it is vital. But it does not have to be condemning. You know the difference there? As Willard notes, if a dentist tells you that you have tooth decay in cavities, that dentist is not judgmental for telling you that. That's just discernment. If, however, that dentist, after seeing your cavities, begins to wonder out loud, about what kind of disgusting, undisciplined human being lets their teeth get this decayed. 
then that's a different story. They've moved from discerning to condemning. There's a significant difference in that. So here's the deal. I mean, to discern, it is a vital function for each of us in kingdom community. We are going to acknowledge, we're going to speak about, we're going to address sin. We're going to call sin, sin, in line with Scripture. But to be able to do that without rejecting or condemning is also critical. And to do it without rejecting, that requires great skill and care. So really, the million-dollar question is, how? How do we do that with care and skill? Well, Jesus answers that, and the next verse is in Matthew 7. He talks first about not judging, and then he says this in verse 3. Jesus said, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log, the beam that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? Oh, I'm going to be helpful. I'm going to address your stuff in this. i got to take care of your big speck in your life. How in the world do you think you have the right perspective for that when you got a log sticking out of your own eye? It's quite an image, isn't it? Verse 5, you hypocrite. Jesus really doesn't like when people hide. First take the log out of your own eye. First deal with your own junk, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So how do you do it? And how can you do it? It's because you've dealt with your own log and junk. So then you can see. Because it's a perception problem. It's a discernment problem. To really say that in language of walking in light or dark, if you aren't bringing into light what you are hiding in the dark, you will never see clearly enough to see into others' lives. How can you think you can do that well? Oh, you might think you see clearly. You might. I mean, you might dive right in and call it righteous indignation. (laughs) I mean, you might have all sorts of energy to correct and rebuke everyone else. And you are convinced you're right. But more often than not, instead of removing their speck, which does need to be removed, it's like you try to gouge out their whole eye. Now understand, the log in the analogy of Matthew 7, it is this judgmental, self-righteous, condemning spirit. And the people who have that spirit are almost always people who have never, at significant levels of their soul, brought into the light what they've been hiding in the dark. They are blind to their self-righteous pride. They're really useless for ministry, but the scary part being they are almost always serving in some kind of ministry. But they are incapable of bringing authentic healing to other people. In fact, they often do great damage as they walk in it. So if you are someone like this, people are probably pulled to run from you. And now perhaps you know why. Maybe you always thought that the reason people ran from you or rejected what you say is that they just don't care about sin the way I care about sin. No. I mean, they likely hate the speck in their eye. I mean, it hurts. They're just tired of being clubbed by you. 
So let's address our own logs first, all right? Amen? But picture instead someone who knows personally what it feels like to have a speck in their eye or maybe even a log in their own eye and, and be blinded by it. I mean, how do I get this thing out? I, I can't get it out myself. But they came to a point where they said to God, Oh, Father, help me bring in the light what I've been hiding, covering. Help me confess what I've been denying. Because you pray that prayer with faith and openness, and, and God will begin to do it. And, and so now picture that kind of person coming to you in humble concern and support as you deal with a speck in your eye. A question, how do you think they'd do it? Humbly? Empathetically? Gently? Lovingly? I think so. I mean, I assure you from God's Word, if you begin to bring in the light what you've been keeping in the dark, God will transform you. And He will use you for the support and healing of others. Which leads into our final assurance. Because if you have the courage to walk in the light, our fourth, our final assurance is this. You'll become light yourself. You'll become light yourself. And this is part of the culmination of it all. Because as you and I begin to bring in the light what we've been hiding in the dark, the light of Christ that comes to you will begin to flow through you. It will begin to radiate light from you. And you will then begin illuminating, not because you're trying, but because you're living in Christ, you'll begin illuminating the places you go. You'll bring illumination to your home, to your school, to your workplace, in your marriage as you walk in this life, in your church. But it won't be the way you thought it was supposed to be. It, it won't be with that attitude, okay, I'm heading to work and I'm going to correct and fix everyone there. I'm going to share my wisdom and insight with them all. I'm going to splash them with it. No. Just be quiet for a while. And, and light, let the light come to you. And if that light authentically begins to come to you, you can then begin to cooperate with what the light of Christ reveals. I assure you that you will grow in bringing the light and hope of what you've invited into you in Christ. And you, over time, will bring gracious illumination into your marriage, into your workplace. So let's recognize there are a lot of religious people today who are ready to correct others, aren't there? But there is often very little light. But it's interesting what the Apostle Paul wrote about this. Listen to his words from the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 15, Paul wrote that we are children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom, beloved, you shine as lights in the world. 
In a world that is filled with twisted, crooked thinking and deception, you appear as light. You appear as hope. You appear as something real, something true. And again, likely not because of your outstanding wisdom, but because of him who is within you. Oh, I assure you, friends, if you have the courage and faith to come out of hiding and to begin to live in line with what God says is true about life in you, you will begin to experience levels of kingdom life and joy that you may have never known. You will find freedom. You will find joy. And you will increasingly radiate His light. So I invite you again to step in to the light. And I have a very practical way for each of us to respond today. Again, you received a paper and pencil when you came in or maybe you collected it at home. And I invite you right now to take out the paper and pencil right now. And I want to invite you to be honest with and respond to God. And again, this isn't just for those who don't know Christ. John was writing to believers, right? This is to followers of Jesus. He's given this encouragement. So I would ask, what is God calling you to bring out into the light, to confess to him? What would it be for you? Now, you're not going to be asked to share this with anyone else. On that paper, maybe you want to just write. Maybe it's a letter. Maybe it's a a word. Maybe even a short prayer, right? I want to give you a moment to do that. What do you want to bring into the light? Again, here are those joining online. And as you do this, I want to remind you again. Just listen from these words from 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So in this quietness, I invite you to do that. Don't look at others. Don't see what others are writing. Just you. This is between you and God. On that paper, just write what he is prompting you to bring to him, to his light. You know, I invite you to fold up that paper with your confession. And then once you've folded, can you do this? Can you wad it up? Just wad it up because we want this to be gone through Jesus. Amen? We want no more part of this. Now, now here's the thing in this. Scripture, you likely have seen, we mention it often. Scripture often calls us to express our, our worship or our prayer, our hearts, physically in some way. And And for one, I think, it's because what we do physically, it can often draw our hearts out. Have you noticed that? So I want to invite you to do that. And this is how we'll do it here together. I mean, we have a number of containers up here and along the side here that are filled with water. And this actually, so you know, it's dissolvable paper. It doesn't dissolve instantaneously, but over time, it dissolves. 
And, and so I'm going to invite each one of us to come forward and really place this confession in this water here that is a symbol for us of the living water. Who's Jesus? So I'm going to invite you to leave this area of your life with Jesus. I want you to bring it into his life. And the worship team's going to lead us in some worship together as we do this. And again, it doesn't matter how long you've been walking with Christ. Coming forward isn't a sense of shame in any way. It's acknowledging every one of us has junk. Amen? I, I want a stronger amen for that. Amen? We come here with junk every week. So each one of us has something we can bring to Christ and confess to Christ today. And I do also, beloved. And I also want to be clear in this. If you prefer just to remain in your chair and, and bring this to Christ in prayer and silent prayer, feel free to do that. Please make room for those who want to come forward. And again, you won't be more or less forgiven if you come forward or if you remain in your chair, right? Not more or less. But again, physically expressing your confession, that might be a beneficial thing for you. So fold it up, just wad this up, and we are bringing our mess to Christ. And as you come, if you want to just take a moment and pray as you put it in the water, please feel free to do that. And in fact, if there's something you'd like to pray about with someone else, some of our pastors and elders in the front row, you can sit down beside us. We'd love to pray for you, be it a matter we're talking about today or something else. So let's do this. Let's stand together. We're going to worship together. And, and then as we worship, I invite you to come forward. You can go row by row, but also don't wait on others, all right? And just move out the left-hand side of your section just so we can flow. Come to the front. Take as much time as you want and go back to the right-hand side of your section. And don't wait on others because we bring this to the living, healing water of Jesus. So I invite you to come to him. Let's worship and come.
before him and laid at his feet. I encourage you with the wonder and the hope that as we've confessed our sins, the God of heaven is faithful and just to forgive us of these sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. What a gift he brings to us, Father. And, and it, let me say this. If you'd like to remain here and pray for a bit or maybe you just reflect uh, for a bit, please feel free to remain here and, and I invite the rest of us can we leave here in quiet? Let's talk out in the cardo. Feel free to do that in fellowship, but let's remain quiet in here. And if, additionally, if you'd like to pray with someone about something God's put on your heart today, it might be related to what we've been looking at. Maybe it's something else or someone else. But again, pastors and elders up front here, we'd love to pray with you. So again, let's, let's leave this time in quietness as we go into the cardo. And, and go out with these good words of hope and pray, now may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of his Holy Spirit this week, you may abound in hope in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in his peace.